Welcome everyone, this is All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 248, recording this on 15th of March 2018. Do you like my energy, Rafe Blanford? Oh, I do, and I'm going to try and match it despite the fact it's actually quite late at night and we're both feeling tired, but we can always get enthusiastic about the world of mobile and Windows for phone, I think is the phrase you like using now. Yes, this is the <laughs> AAWP Insight, number 248, not that far away from the big 250 um, we've got a lot to talk about, lots of little bits and pieces, but I think you have some breaking news, don't you, Steve? Uh, well, yes, yes, you're quite right. As I speak, as we record this, my various phones and the various OS branches are downloading the March update for Windows 10 Mobile. It's been delayed mm. a couple of uh, days. It normally comes out on Patch Tuesday, the second Tuesday of every month. But in this case, I've been watching the various builds flying by on buildfeed.net, and uh, they've been doing a build a day. Uh, presumably trying to do fi- final last-minute bug fixes and tweaks. And this, I think it's this um, PDF uh, reading an edge that's been causing a few problems. So hopefully they've now nailed that and that's um, rolling out. But uh, I'll report on the site um, after we've recorded this, and hopefully by the time people listen to this, I'll have some commentary up. But yeah, yeah so go and get grab the latest updates. Um, anniversary update is running out of steam in terms of uh, support. Creators update still got another six, seven months to go, and four creators update has got uh, about fourteen months to go. So there's still some way to go in this 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 world of uh, Windows 10 Mobile and Windows Phone. Yeah, indeed, still tracking along. Indeed. Now, uh, do you remember the Wiley Fox Pro that I reviewed? I received sometime late November, early December, and I reviewed it on the site. And the plans were afoot; it will be available on Amazon. It still kind of hasn't happened, Rafe, and I don't know whether you remember, but Wiley Fox had all sorts of administration and bankruptcy problems about two months ago, and I've uh-huh. been pe- pestering them for some kind of update and got absolutely nowhere. All I can think is that, that everybody's pulled the plug. Their website is still up, but all the phones on it, including the Android phones, they all say out of stock. So clearly all is not well in the world of Wiley Fox, which kind of a is disappointing but b does mean that i'm the proud owner of a very 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 rare wiley fox pro so it should be worth millions <laughs> um millions might be maybe a small uh bit of overstatement or maybe you're just being very optimistic steve but yeah it's rather sad because um when we first heard about this i mean obviously when you hear it, administration and going bust you think well that's it but actually it was more of a complex financial arrangement and at that time we thought there was some hope that they might be coming back the fact that it's sort of moved on two months doesn't make me feel terribly optimistic and of course the more time it goes by the harder it would be to to restart anything yeah it does make you wonder if there's you know a thousand wiley (laughs) sitting in a warehouse somewhere um but they would obviously be owned by the administrator who would sort of be passing on to creditors potentially and you know, trying to be uh, charitable here, it's probably hard to put a value on that. I wouldn't be at all surprised if they get sold off re- recycling, which seems very sad indeed. But um, it's good news for Steve in terms of enhancing the rarity of the one he does manage to have in his hands. Yes, well, as you say, maybe, just maybe, they'll all appear as a job lot on Amazon being sold off at rock-bottom prices, and a few of our listeners might just get themselves a little uh, current bargain. But who knows? But a little I'll, bit of I... history. Uh, you're talking of online pricing. Yeah, there's um, the Alcatel Isle 4 Pro, 
uh, my current favourite Windows 10 mobile device. £100 off officially in the Microsoft sites all around Europe. Either £100 off or €100 off. Taking it, Rafe, to about £320, including VAT in the UK, which I think is a fair price for a a flagship-ish device in a rather niche ecosystem now in terms of the new the new phone market 320 pounds do you think that's uh something you, people might jump at still well i think obviously there's going to be a decision about whether you want to invest in what everyone's going to tell you is a dead platform dying platform choose your appropriate wording um but if you want one of these devices yeah for the spec it feels like um, maybe still feels slightly overpriced given the the context of this i mean I think it's going to be relatively small numbers of people who will come on this cold and go, oh, that's that's a great deal. I really want to do that. But, you know, all the naysayers who will sit there go, you'd be absolutely mad to do this, kind of miss the point. The people who are going to be buying this is because they want to have a Windows uh, device. They yeah, made that yeah. as an active decision. So it does frustrate me when, you know, you see people tweeting about this saying that's good and you get responses going you'd be mad to try it well yes of course you'd be mad to do it if you (laughs) didn't understand the context but those who choose to do so are going to get you know a pretty decent device and if i'd said you know a couple of years ago oh you can get a top-end windows 10 mobile device for 320 quid people go oh so that's a really great price you know you think about the 950 xl even after it had been out for a while was still pretty hefty in price terms and that was always true of the flagship devices you know the prices did come down and that they often got to this by the kind of end of life and um you speculate in the story actually whether this is about clearing inventory probably seems a reasonably safe uh, guess uh, but yeah i think it is good i mean you have to remember that this is uh, you know a decent high quality display a decent camera plenty of storage and in terms of kind of the internals and the processors it's you know it's as good as uh, Windows 10 Mobile gets. So, yeah, this feels like a, a decent price for me. I wouldn't go so far as to call it a bargain, but, um, yeah, I, I guess we've seen quite a bit of this recently because of clearing of inventory. So, with the caveats, yeah, goodbye. Yeah, you didn't mention the stereo speakers. What are some of the I loudest yes. phone speakers in the world? So that's still worth uh, going for. And that's the reason, really, why I used the Idle 4 Pro over the Lumia 950 XL. The camera's a lot worse, obviously, but most of the time, especially in winter, I'm consuming content rather than generating it, and uh, that's the way round I roll. I suspect when the summer comes round, I'll be back to my Lumia. But there we go. So, Steve, what about US pricing? Uh, US pricing, $99. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the comparison people will make. But that's ridiculous, really, because in America, they've had it for six months longer. It came out six months earlier. Therefore, we're six months further on in the whole clearance and stock reduction life cycle. I suspect it'll be £99 in the UK in, say, seven months' time, but people may not want to wait. Yeah, it's worth saying for people who sort of go, oh, well, I'll just import one. The LTE bands are different. So um, while effectively they're identical devices, there are a few differences and not having good 4g support in the european countries i think would be a bit of a downer um so you know you were asking is this good value well in europe it feels you know as i said not exactly I, I certainly wouldn't describe it as a bargain good price yeah the uh 99 in the states or whatever price you get it for i mean i think some places are a bit, bit more expensive that really is a steal um i guess that probably reflects as you say the relative market conditions because uh, in some ways, uh, Europe always was a little bit more favourable to uh, Windows Phone. And I actually suspect there's probably a bit more of a market here just because of the way some of the deals fell out and some of the devices that were available. 
the US operators, particularly later on, never embraced it in, in quite the same way. So I wonder if there's fewer US-based fans. But uh, I just thought I'd point that out before we, we get those comments on the podcast, because obviously there's a, a big difference between £319 and uh, $100, which really is amazing and like a steal. Uh, before we uh, delve into the meat of the show, Rafe, just a couple of uh, application notes. Um, first of all, Nimbus Note. Um, it's, it's not quite an Evernote client, but it lets you transfer your Evernote uh, database um, over to a native Windows 10 UWP app that has essentially very, very similar interface. And it's nicely done. It's been guest reviewed on our site. So uh, do go read that. Also, Sigic GPS Navigation, which has been around for quite a while, Rafe. And uh, I finally got round to reviewing it uh, bugs and all but it, either of those two take your fancy have you heard of either of those well i haven't heard of nimbus note and something of me kind of rebels against importing evernote because kind of part of the point about evernote was it worked across lots of devices and obviously if you're purely in a windows world uh, nimbus note would be a good option although i would sort of wonder about its longevity and kind of the ability to switch to other things in the future but as someone who's kind of got multiple platforms I'm not sure it would suit me, but from the uh, screenshots and from your review, it looks like it's a, a well put together app, uh, does what it needs to. It's going to be hard to compete against OneNote, but you can have to admire the labour of love of the uh, developer. Um, and, you know, note taking is one of those applications that people get very strong feelings about. You know, they have an absolute way they like doing things, they have strongly preferred applications. So, it's nice to see that uh, it's free for casual users, but for those who, uh, you know, uh, heavier users, you know, wanting large file attachments, bigger uploads, etc., which kind of needs to when it's cloud-based as this is, is kind of uh, $45 a year, which feels like a reasonable price, particularly when some of the other ones that do this are a little bit more expensive and, and you know, Evernote was somewhat controversial for raising prices recently. In terms of Citric, I mean, given we've had conversations about windows 10 maps and some of the things that are missing from that particularly on older maps and yeah. uh real traffic i haven't ever had a chance to use this but it's good to see that they continue to support it and also the geographies that they support are pretty diverse as well um so i i, I know you've had a chance to use this in anger i mean would you choose this over the native apps application Actually, I would, Rafe, and it, but it does depend where you are in the world. And I shall explain the the traffic, live traffic, and avoidance, and is is really responsive. It's right up there with Google Maps navigation. Even though Sigic clearly hasn't really put any TLC into updating the app over the last year or so, it looks like it was you know, last updated sometime in late 2015. Um, having said that, it does also have the same one same problem as Windows 10 Maps, and that the maps are quite old. I suspect something is again. Most of this usually comes down to licensing, that the appropriate license agreements haven't been extended, the right money hasn't been paid. And so if you're in a densely populated area where there aren't any new, new roads being built, and I live in Reading, the UK and Berkshire, and basically there are very few new roads, so everything just works perfectly, and I would recommend it, even at whatever it is, 20, 20-something pounds for a lifetime license for the navigation and the traffic. If you're in an area out in the country, and I use my, my father's uh, in the West Country, down in Taunton area, there are lots of new roads because there's plenty of green fields and they build new estates, new bypasses, all of that. Um, and they're not in there at all. So it really depends where you are. But I would recommend people have a look at it. You can try it completely free, including all the live traffic, for about seven days. So you can give it a thorough week's trial in your neck of the woods, whichever country you're in. So I would recommend people try it. Just don't expect updates and don't necessarily expect the very latest roads. 
Yeah, it is interesting because the commercial thing's obviously going to be a sticking point for some people. It used to be that these kind of GPS uh, navigation apps were very expensive. I can remember pricing of £100 plus yeah. uh, to get them working. And then, of course, um, a combination of kind of Google Maps, but actually maps in general were offered for free. And then uh, Nokia made a big deal, big announcement about giving uh, kind of navigation in the form of here maps away with every smartphone that it sold. And I can actually remember being invited to the press event for that. And it was uh, held in London, top of a tall tower building. I'm trying to remember which one. But they were ever so excited about it. And it was a big deal because that was perceived to have you know, quite high value. Because as I say, previously, you'd expected to pay certainly £50 for it and sometimes a lot more. And for some of the phones, that was with global navigation. Some of them just came with regional. But it was fantastic. And of course, now there's an expectation that the maps, including navigation, is just free with your phone. I mean, yeah. it, it really is amazing that that's you know, become available uh, for free. It's something that was started by Nokia and has since been taken up by Google and Apple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, the Apple Maps is also very good and includes the real-time traffic, as far as I can tell, because I have tried it on my wife's iPhone quite often coming back for an event when my phone has been low on battery, for example. We said, let's try Apple Maps. It's really pretty good. Uh, Google Maps, of course, is excellent. The Cidic is, is excellent, as long as you don't need new roads. I'm still pestering the Windows 10 Maps team for, to work out why the heck they haven't got back in touch with here and paid them the whatever it is, the £5.50 for the new new year's data for the UK. I'm sure it's more than that, but yeah, there's clearly some licensing issue going on, but I will report back on the site. Um, yeah, so have a look at that. Seven days free trial, I believe. Um, we keep putting one particular feature off in the podcast, and that was a feature I did about uh, two, three weeks ago called An Honest Comparison, the pros and cons of a switch to Android. And this will become relevant because we're about to talk about an Android device comparison. But Rafe, if you can bring up my table... Um, this, is, this is really my own subjective opinions. We're not talking about some kind of stats and numbers objective uh, analysis. This is me looking uh, in, on my desk with a Windows 10 mobile device and an Android device and thinking, why would I want one rather than the other? So, I mean, I, I've scored it where the Windows 10 mobile one in, one in terms of general interface and aesthetics, as you'd expect, this being AWP. Email and PIM, I still think is one of Microsoft's strong points and I win. Windows 10 camera, I still think, I mean, it's based on Nokia camera, that wonderful user interface, is still the imaging UI to beat. And of course, the, the uh, Microsoft and Nokia's algorithms are still top notch. But you have to, I mean, maybe web browsing is, is a kind of equal because Edge and Chrome could be argued to be a equivalent. But uh, then again, Edge pretends to be Chrome and that's how it gets away with it. So that's kind of a cheat. I've, having said that, if you add up the, the, green, the green wins, it kind of comes out equal for me, but I do accept, Rafe, that I'm playing with artistic license here. I'm putting a healthy degree of AWP lens focus on this whole deal. <laughs> but what about you? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think um, also that 5-5 five, five score draw doesn't really take into account weighting because I'm pretty sure some of these categories will be more important to you than others. Um, I'd also note you're using uh, Lineage OS, which is uh, kind of based on aosp or android 7 it may be different if you had a different android variant or a, a flagship to compare it against because actually i think uh, one of the notable things about android now is there is significant variation in devices with maybe something sitting at the top of the tree being the, the google pixel devices particularly from a geek point of view even if you're talking mainstream you know uh, s9 or one of the other flagships 
and particularly now that you can talk about pure android with kind of um android one and then obviously android go at the lower end just that variation is actually very significant especially when you start talking about things like the general interface and the aesthetics but also to the extent of email and pim because those applications are quite often replaced and the thing i would say that maybe counts against your score actually you can get something like the outlook experience running on an android device and it can behave very much like the kind of the default email yeah, client yeah. Um, i mean i would agree with you kind of the out of the box stuff i i would still probably you know especially if you're microsoft based you can give the window email and pim of course if you're gmail based the reverse is true so a lot also depends on the services that you use I actually kind of in a mixed mode in that I've got a Gmail account, but I also use Outlook both personally and and for work. Um, so for me, it, it's probably a toss up in in that area. And actually, just having Outlook working is, is the critical factor for me and available yeah. on both uh, social media. Yeah, you rightly give that to kind of Android imaging. I, I would agree the kind of the it's hard to beat the nokia camera or the windows 10 camera interface they just work really hard on getting that easy to use where it potentially falls down is some of the uh, extension apps and what i mean by that is doing something with the images afterwards and there's obviously just more variety on android and some of the more recent android apps are starting to pull ahead in terms of the things that they're putting into the camera it's easy to sneer about things like lg's ai cam or Bixby Vision, which you got in the, the S9. Yeah. But that idea of turning the camera into an input interface, and what I mean by that, you know, up until now, it's the most common use, obviously, for the cameras to take pictures and videos. But increasingly, we're now seeing it used to kind of identify objects and give you an expected action. I mean, previously, the limit to that being maybe a QR code. But more and more is being built into the default applications. I expect that to continue for camera i mean we've already seen it in the facebook instagram snapchat camera functions within them but when that gets into the general camera, that's maybe going to be the tipping point for me um, but interesting and uh, like you also rightly say there's third party camera app as well and, and that has a balance there yeah you can't really argue on mapping and navigation google maps is is very strong ironically i think none of them have necessarily got back to where here maps was at its best in terms of you know, the offline mode being basically flawless, um, some of the information being really great, the interface being really strong. Google Maps, I think, now has had better point of information data and better search for a while now. It's kind of where Google is strongest. I still think they could do some work on some of the interface, uh, but they've done really great work on things like the routing. The maps are obviously really up to date. And, uh, you know, those updates aren't just from the providers that are actually adding stuff in themselves. And that's very noticeable when you do a search for a new business or something like that, it almost immediately appears. And it still has advantage over Apple Maps, by the way. Um, media, yeah, you kind of talk about this in terms of music and video. I think this is so dependent on the applications you use. Um, if you're just talking about uh, playback, you know, it, it might be quite close. But as soon as you get into things like uh, Netflix or Amazon Prime Video, which arguably is important here, or Spotify, you know, there is just going to be more more choice on Android. But you know, I agree you could split the score as you've done so. Browsing, yes, Edge is a lot more competent. People give it credit for. Um, Chrome only has an advantage because there's so many people using it, and therefore, on in some occasions, sites will support it slightly better. Yeah. Um, and so I would probably give it the the edge. 
Um, and gaming, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, that's an e- easy win really for Android just because of the app gap problem. But if you think about it, you know, it's going to be entirely dependent on your own experience. But one of the things that interests me here is I don't think the gap is as big as people make out once you step away from uh, the third party application angle. And I'm the first to say that's a big deal for most people. Um, and we talked about that impact on media with music and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of the core functionality, it actually tells me that there haven't been radical updates in the last few years to smartphones. You know, they have become, we talked about commoditization on hardware, but honestly, the software functions have become commoditized as well. We all know that the top applications are basically doing a bit of messaging, the odd phone call browser, you know, those are the, the top three. And if you're able to do most of those, then, it, you know, it, you do get into things like Outlook and obviously the media as well and mapping. I, I think we're definitely seeing this through rose-tinted glasses. I mean, I think for the average person, there's not even going to be a contest going on here. Whether it's quite to the point where it's 10 green boxes and a 10 nil score, I think people, if they were honest, would have to give things like email and certainly think about the imaging, depending on what sort of device they're on, and potentially a few of the other areas. But um, sadly, it's it's to the point where it's a moving total time. If I score this personally, I'd probably get more of a 6-4, maybe a 7-3. Um, but actually, I'd, I'd probably score more of them as draws than you have, yeah. which yeah. is like a total cop-out. <laughs> it's certainly the case that out of the box, I would argue that the, the which is a, such a shame that the entire ecosystem and Microsoft's commitment has gone down the pan a bit. The out of the box, the experience and the functionality and the applications on a Windows 10 mobile phone, like the Lumia 950, for example, um, I would say they, they significantly outperform um, and outfunction most, most, but not all of the Android smartphones out there. But as you say, where it it the the whole thing falls down is the fact that Microsoft hasn't got the commitment to new hardware to support to repairs on the hardware side, and on the software side, we're just getting patches and updates. We're not getting major new features. Whereas in the Android side, you are expecting new new versions of the platform. You've got millions, literally millions, of third-party applications which are being developed at a much faster rate and in greater numbers than the applications in the Windows 10 world. So. Once a user gets beyond the first week, especially if they know what they're doing, they can, they can pull ahead far, far further yeah. than my five five would suggest. I think that's actually a really nice distinction to make. I th- you know, and I still think Windows Ten Mobile is amongst the most consistent of uh, of the platforms out of the box. And as you say, you know, if you just think about it like that, and we I've talked before about it kind of being the ultimate feature phone, um, it works really well. Yeah, but there is is that gap that. You get to know it. And actually, it's the same reason I think a lot of people out of the box prefer an iPhone over Android. But ultimately, in the longer term, those who like to sort of customize and fiddle with their phone a bit more have a strong presence for Android because you can sort of do things your way, where, of course, the Apple philosophy is much more you'll do things the way we tell you to. And now that's an oversimplification and kind of stereotyping and exaggeration. But actually, that's probably the advantage that Android has over Windows Phone and Windows 10 Mobile now, that it's always offered more customization, more third-party apps. And that has become much more apparent now, the kind of, there's been this sunsetting period for Windows 10 Mobile, um, because Microsoft has kind of stopped doing major updates to the application. So, you know, there isn't quite that sense of superiority that you're getting an out-of-the-box experience that's getting better and better all the time. But I do accept this as an entirely subjective thing. 
Uh, and we are definitely looking at this from an AAWP perspective, which is why I say, you know, for, for most people, this really isn't going to be a contest. But those same people, it doesn't hurt to acknowledge that actually the kind of the consistency and particularly just the feeling of a complete product that end to end has been thought about still feels better on Windows 10 Mobile. And in some ways, that's quite bad. It's only when you get onto the pure Android devices and the Pixel is a good example where you start getting close to that. But even there, I don't think it's it's particularly brilliant. I think the very fact that Microsoft did constrain the number of features and the number of apps um, actually made it easier for them to have that consistent feel. And that that's the other thing that people, particularly power Android users, will complain about. They'll say, oh, I'm missing feature X or feature Y. And that, that's right. It did just have fewer features. But sometimes it's important to get the 90% really consistent feeling really right rather than worry about those extra 50 features that maybe not so many people care about. But there's a lot of um, almost a philosophy on which option you choose, just as, you know, if you ever get into a debate about iOS and Android between two people, that that <laughs> gives you strong emotions and people are absolutely convinced one way or the other. I, I personally feel now that you can get the tool, the, the job done with either tool. Um, and a lot of it comes down to how much time you have, what, kind of your device history is what your current device is and most importantly the task that you're trying to achieve because no one uses their smartphone in exactly the same way as, as someone else and therefore what is best for them won't be best for someone else and that applies to both the apps you choose to use and the hardware you choose to use yeah absolutely well on that subject and now people have said steve when is aawp going to turn into aaap all about android <laughs> phones well it's not but uh, clearly there is some overlap here. While we're waiting for Surface Mobile and something else coming along from the Windows world, of course, many people are choosing to have a look at what else is available out there. And apart from my, my own subjective tables, I've been looking at some hard and fast devices, in particular the Galaxy S9, which I've got in hand, Rave, which is a really nice piece of hardware. And unusually for me, I'm actually out and out recommending it. If, if people do genuinely want to move from Windows 10 Mobile to an Android phone, but they're wondering which one, I mean, the end back end of last year, many people were recommending the OnePlus 5 as a good sort of £500 option of a flagship that kind of had it all. But Samsung really have gone all out with the S9. And I don't know whether you've had hands, hands on, but I've been really impressed so far. Yes, I had a chance to play with this in Barcelona, albeit not as thoroughly as you have. And um, for those that haven't seen, there's several videos on the site embedded from the phone show, uh, which Steve gives a comprehensive review of the S9. So well worth uh, watching those. But yes, Samsung and Android have been coming on leaps and bounds. And although the S9 could be dismissed as just an iteration, particularly because the design isn't that different from the S8, I do think that it's that thing you have to look about. If I was coming up from the 950XL, I'd be pretty amazed. If I was coming from an S6 or an S7, I'd be really impressed. Yeah, the pricing is pretty steep. And we were talking about <laughs> yeah. £740 for the standard version. And then obviously... Uh, a little bit more um, if you go for the the plus model and I do wince at that when I was so used to 500 pound being kind of the flagship price point um, but you can't argue about the the build quality the hardware Samsung's producing absolutely stellar hardware the camera is definitely something that's worth talking about and we'll do so in a minute because Steve has done his head-to-head -head. <laughs> yes you know things like the screen um, there's some been some sensible things on the biometrics although I have to admit I'm not a fan of the kind of combined iris scanner um, plus sort of facial recognition. That feels a bit too me too for me. Um, 
but yeah camera fantastic it's got the stereo speakers you know the audio credentials are are first rate it's got a lot of the recent google software that has kind of elevated android and that's things like google assistant um and then you know google photos and google maps and just the way they all work together now is is getting really quite impressive and you know, I, I talked about smartphones becoming commoditized, but there's definitely still the software is just stepping things up a bit. And and Google Photos, just the, the, the syncing, the ability for it to recognize the things you're taking pictures of um, in certain markets. You'll also get the facial recognition, so it'll recognize people. And what used to be a laborious process of tagging, that's basically done automatically for you. So really impressive. I would say the downside for me is still the fact that Samsung has done some things which um, I think take away from the consistency of Android. If you're coming from another Android device, that'd be a problem. If you're used to Samsung, you're going to like it um, because they've, yeah. they've got really good about kind of a consistent design language from a Samsung point of view, but it still does feel to me a bit of two things get jammed together. Um, but that's a very subjective opinion because I know there are a lot of people that really like what Samsung have done. I will also say that I think some of the Samsung editions feel a little bit more gimmicky, but I wouldn't be too critical about that because I think there's a sense of inevitability about that because, of course, the things that are core and recognized as having to be there are going to be done by Google as part of the Android system, and therefore Samsung is always, some of its features will feel a bit gimmicky because they're pushing on the edge, but it's very noticeable that a lot of the things that Samsung did as extras and you know, biometrics being a good example if you go back a few years, have now become a standard part of Google Android. And I think that's one of yeah. the things that people sometimes forget when they praise Google for doing new things. They forget they've often drawn on a lot of the work that their kind of manufacturer partners have done. And and Samsung is definitely no exception to that. There are others as well. But yeah, the S9, a, a really fantastic and a really, really capable smartphone. Yeah. And uh, the reason I was recommending it in particular, uh, following on from my phone share review, was that if you're a Windows 10 mobile fan, then chances are you're probably a Lumia fan for Lumia 930, 1020, 950, all great cameras. And in the S9, we have a camera, for example, which is, I would say, the equal of that in the 950 with slight pros and cons. We'll come to that in a moment, just to mention also the fact it's also one of the few Android flagships that still has a headphone jack, which, let's face it, all our Nokia and Windows 10 mobile phones, they have headphone jacks, and that's I would say that's an essential bit of kit, so I'm very glad that Samsung have kept it. It's got the stereo speakers, which are the equal of those in the Idol 4 Pro. They're not quite true stereo, but they're really, really impressive in real life, and they've got Dolby Atmos, so there's an awful lot, and it's an awful lot to like in terms of the Qi, the speakers, um, the camera, the screen is gorgeous, just as high contrast and sunlight as the, as the Lumias. There's so much to like. Obviously, it doesn't run Windows 10 Mobile. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> um, and the the interface does take some getting used to if you are switching over from Windows. Um, just turning back to the camera, though, because, I mean, you've got the feature up there with the, your nice little interactive slider, and you can compare all my different test cases. My gut feel is that the, the, the S9 camera is more capable, as you'd expect. It's two and a half years newer sensor. It's got all the extra DRAM, and it can, it's incredibly fast in operation. 
but I still think Samsung's algorithms, they do sharpen too much. There's too much ed- edge enhancement, which is brilliant for a fake, taking a photograph of Rafe down in, down the pub. It's brilliant for taking a photograph of a dog. It's brilliant for taking close-ups of objects and flowers. But you try and take a, you know, a, a shot of a, a clifftop with, with grass and, um, and, and ocean waves, and it'll just be a mushy mess because it just doesn't know how to cope with that sort of real-world distant texture. So my, my pet use case, which is taking nice nature shots, quite often I can come a complete cropper on with the Samsung Galaxy S7, S8, S9 algorithms. But you have to admit, as seen on the the phone screen, and certainly for objects with edges, uh, whether it's hair or on a dog or a human or a a physical object with edges uh, like a a phone or a a gadget in front of you, it does an absolutely standout job. So uh, overall, I couldn't split the two phones. I I gave them equal points. Yes, I think I'd have to agree with you on that one. I mean, if anything, I would give the edge to the S9 just from the performance point of view and also thinking about some of the other things that are available in the camera. I talked just earlier about kind of AI, as they term it, going into the uh, the camera and Bixby Vision, an example of that. I mean, a lot of those is actually just intelligent integration of third-party things. So the Translate feature, for example, is kind of an integration of Google's Word Lens I think the uh, makeup mode is Sephora. And then there's obviously the kind of food identification. Some of those feel a bit more gimmicky than others, but some of them are are really useful. And things like portrait mode, you know, it just offers a bit more kind of flexibility in terms of the camera modes, but also those other things, the cameras and interface I was talking about and and performance. But I would absolutely agree with you. I still prefer the Nokia algorithms. And this goes back to what I was saying about devices. You are kind of a product of the devices and cameras that you've had before and you know people always express a preference i mean it's like with nikon and canon Uh, i prefer what i would regard as more neutral processing that something nokia always pushed and actually in in some cases i think it was to their detriment in terms of what was popular because it didn't have quite the vibrancy or the overpress over processing i think this is most noticeable when if you look at two images side by side and kind of six by four printing out you'll often pick out the samsung one and say oh that's better but when you zoom in, as you tend to do in your comparisons, Steve, you can see the differences. You can see the edge enhancement. And it's really noticeable when you talk about the nature shots. I mean, there's a very clear winner there with the Lumia where, you know, and, and I found that too because I take lots of shots like that too. But as soon as you switch to kind of some of the inside stuff, you kind of go, actually, no, I'll, I'll give the S9 the edge because it tends to do a better job of kind of enhancing and that it honestly is what it's doing. It is over-processing, it's over-enhancing, but it does it so well, you really can't complain about it. And, you know, be you look at something like your clock shot or the inside art, you know, it, it, it it's great. And uh, you then switch back to the outside one, yeah, the Lumia, then back to the, you know, the art gallery and, uh, you know, low light in particular. I think that's where Samsung has come in quite a lot in the last few years. It always used to be Nokia reign supreme, but... I think that absolutely is an example of where improvements in the sensor technology have kind of won out because, as I've always talked about, it's the edge cases where you sort of see the benefits of improvement in the hardware, and low light is still one of the most difficult things for a, a smartphone camera to do. So it's interesting that your scoring came out almost exactly equal, and it's worth saying that scoring really is about the output of the still camera if you think about the capability of some of the other bits of it, I think you'd give the edge to the S9. It'd be interesting to do kind of videos, a separate thing. I mean, am I being too nice to to Samsung there? I mean, 
I think, you know, you have to consider the wider picture. It's not just about the output. It's what else you're going to use the camera for, whether it's going to allow you to, from a performance point of view, get all those videos switched quickly between them. Or would you would you still choose to have the 950 as your shooter of choice? I would, actually, because of those algorithms. And you're quite right in that the S9 can do, as many other Android phones can do, all sorts of extra modes. But I would class an awful lot of those as gimmicks, you know, the AR emojis, right. for yeah. example, and the super slow-mo, which is brilliant fun for dropping marbles onto floors and watching them bounce in 960 frames per second. But in the real world... Uh, it's not actually that useful at all. It's much more useful just to take good quality <laughs> video. Now, having said that, the S9 is actually very good at doing video, and I'm intending to do a shootout again with the 950XL on a jig so I can see both of them at work. They both have good OIS. They both have good digital stabilization. They both shoot at roughly equal resolution. So that should be another really even match. There's to, to, I can't emphasize enough, really, that, that this um, S9 is the closest thing to a good jumping-off point I've seen for someone who's you know been really steeped in the Lumia 950, for example, or steeped in the Idol 4 Pro and want the great speakers, all of a sudden you can have one phone that has the great camera and the great speakers and the charging and the headphone jack and the micro SD expansion, all the things we've loved from the Nokia days, from the Lumia days, the Microsoft, etc., all in the one phone, and it runs a current operating system as in Android 8. So if you are mm. going to jump, now I would expect strong, strong recommendation. This is not an affiliate link or anything. I would say the S9 is actually the first one I've said, look, okay, you can go for it now, and you won't be disappointed in any of the areas that you've previously been really um, impressed by. And and that's the important point here. It's kind of the history of the devices you've had. And you talked about microSD or you know uh, audio jack and, and those things. And that's the things that matter for people who are upgrading, because otherwise it would be easy to say, oh, you should have had an iPhone 7, or certainly if you look at the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10 with the ability of their their cameras, which are, are really very good indeed, and probably fair to say their pick of the current bunch. I mean, as we've commented before, the, the differences of, between the flagships are much narrower than they used to be in a lot of ways. But I would agree with you, the S9 does feel like an interesting moment, and in some ways, it's testament to how well the 950 was put together that it's taken this long for something to come along. Um, for me, the, the thing is, the S8 didn't quite make it from a camera point of view. Um, and also, the Android software has moved on. Uh, so yeah, I, I would absolutely endorse what you're saying. I, I probably would have recommended it a little bit earlier than you, but I know you're much fussy about the camera and some of the things like the audio capabilities. Because Actually, as, as I say, I mean, I would say to people, yes, switch over to an iPhone. It makes makes sense to do so. But I am reminded of the kind of importance of, particularly if we're talking about the camera, about those algorithms, because there still is a very noticeable difference between them. And you are giving up something in one sense. I mean, if you were putting them in your photo album, you could absolutely see the point at which you switched over from one camera to another. And it wouldn't be about the quality of photos as such. It would just be about the look and feel of certain types of photos. And some of them would be better and some of them would be worse. So think about what it is. And I find it hard to believe anyone would choose a phone solely based on that. But it's good to have the information, which is what, of course, is so valuable about these shootouts and these comparisons, because you can kind of see from yourself from uh, real world examples. And, um, you know, Steve is very good about making sure there's the different types of shots um, I think for a lot of people, you know, people and the kind of capturing images to share on social media, which is perhaps something that enters less into Steve's thinking, I think it's fair to say. And that's actually where some of the 
kind of gimmicky modes of the S9, be that super slow-mo or, you know, uh, beauty mode or whatever it happens to be, do do come into play. And we have to remember that, you know, there's something like 10 trillion photos being captured uh, every year now, and probably about 3 trillion of those is uh, are being shared to social media or over, over the top messaging service, which is just mind-boggling when you consider that, you know, at peak film, which back in 1999, Kodak suggested there are about 90 billion photos being taken. So just the, you know, just speaks to actually putting a smartphone in everyone's hand is just a massive explosion on the number of photos not only being taken, but being shared. And so I would maybe just gently suggest, Steve, that you may not be the most typical person when it comes to assessing camera, but I think you are much closer to a purist and therefore have uh, a right to uh, pronounce on it more more so than anyone else. Yeah, and, and it's worth noting that the S9, I'm just still discovering some of its modes, um, only had it for about a week, but it does have the ability, as the Lumias do, to shoot in RAW, which means that you can, if you don't yeah. like those JPEGs, and of course I'll be able to play with this, um, maybe I can do a, a, a RAW comparison between the 950 uh, range and the S9, because then it really would be on an, an even playing field in terms of the physics, and you could leave aside the manufacturer's um, chosen JPEG compression no, algorithms and edge enhancement yeah and um, it's also worth noting there that there is this is all part of a philosophical difference really of samsung who try to make everything hyper real i was uh, doing a, the first shot um uh, the, the, the bac lightning fighter jet i mean it was a really gloomy british winter day and it came out looking like it was almost you know taken midsummer <laughs> which is it's part of their philosophy it's part of the samsung android experience they give you a video enhancer that sits in the background and anytime you play videos of any kind of any streaming service it automatically enhances it and, and <laughs> it, 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 it dramatizes the colors and enhances the, enhances the edges. When you do the soundtrack of the videos and for music, you, there's a Dolby Atmos bit built in mm. and that widens the stereo separation and boosts the bass and boosts the treble. So at every stage, whether it's taking photos or presenting media, Samsung is trying to make everything hyper real to accentuate, to exaggerate. And to, you know, as the man in the street will think, wow, everything is just wow all the time. But at some point you kind of, it's just nice to step back and be realistic and natural yeah no 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 my poor eyes my poor <laughs> ears but yeah unfortunately a lot of the time it does actually look better you know yeah. it, it, you can't get away from it so uh yeah you're right philosophical difference it extends way beyond just the uh whether it looks like c's winter shot was in fact taken in midsummer yeah, do you remember the Nokia N8 back in the 2000, and I'm tempted to say 2010, and we're, Damien Dinning, who was the Nokia's sort of chief imaging guy at the time, was at great pains to say that he was fed up with the likes of, well, I guess it was Samsung's early days in smartphones, but other manufacturers uh, really over-sharpening everything. Uh, and he wanted to go right back to first principles and produce a phone that just produced just what the camera saw and didn't try and exaggerate or accentuate or enhance. And that's partly why the N8 was regarded still today as one of the classics um, camera phones, because what you saw was literally what you got and it matched what you saw with your own eyes, as opposed to what the S9 now gives. And, and again, the S9 is going to sell really well. and It's a great place to experiment with. But yeah, I'm definitely going to do a feature on RAW because I want to see what the RAW sensor does, not what Samsung thinks I should see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I remain a fan of the pure approach, but I say that's partly because I was a big fan of the Nokia devices. But I think what's important to say now is the S9 is definitely, and I think it's not the only Android device, to be fair, that, that's in this league has got to the point now where I think the trade-offs, and, uh, and I say that advisedly, are, are worthwhile. 
because some of the decisions it's making from an algorithm point of view, it's hard to argue that they're not superior, particularly when we're talking about the low light or indoor or people. Um, because equally well, it's worth saying that sometimes that pure algorithm approach doesn't actually make sense. And probably for Steve and I, who do take a lot of landscapes and nature shots, that's where where it works best. Um, I'm sure this is going to continue and love to hear your comments on this as well and what other people think. We had a whole bunch of them on the on the article. So, you know, it, honestly, I would probably say something is still too aggressive for me, but I recognise that I am probably not in the medium place as far as the market goes. Uh, long ago, unfortunately, despite what uh, Damien Dilling attempted to do with the N8 and despite what Nokia did, actually over-processing and vibrancy and kind of hyper-realism if you like one out um but you know maybe people don't know what's good for them indeed what they do know is good for them is the all about windows phone podcast and <laughs> hopefully they've enjoyed the, our ramblings if, if we sound tired it's because it's the end of a long day for both of us but we wanted to get a podcast out this week and i hope you've enjoyed some of it anyway i'll sign off and i'll let rafe say goodbye at the end yeah i'll say goodbye as well with my usual thank you to everyone for listening thank you to steve for the great content and please do tune in next time 